Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, and with me as always is Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing this new year? I'm doing great. 2024 has arrived uh, today as we are recording this is the second day of 2024. So I'm I'm on track with my Bible reading plan. I'm on track with my fitness goals and all those sorts of things. Um, we've still got some sweets at the house to finish up, but uh, we had our annual Porkapalooza, which is, is the the first on on well on New Year's Eve. It is our tradition to make sausage balls with both hot and mild sausage and to make pigs in a blanket with the little Smokies and to make um, Rotel dip with Velveeta and Rotel and more sausage put in there. So it's like, I don't eat a lot of pork. In fact, I hardly ever eat pork. It's just, it's um, between the nitrates and the nitrites. It, it just makes me feel swollen. So mm. regardless, um, I ate a lot of pork the other day. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, but I'll tell you, it's so funny. Years ago, I used to go for my yearly physical uh, in early January, and I went and I did blood work right after Porkapalooza one year, and the doctor was like, okay, we're going to have to put you on cholesterol medication, <laughs> and your triglycerides are crazy, and your sugar's crazy. And I'm just like, can I come back in a week and try this again? And he said, yeah. And it's amazing how much difference it made. So anyway, how about you guys? How's your family? How's the new year going for you all it's going really well we've been potty training isaac so ah. yep things are going well it's, things are starting to click so uh, you know it's an important lesson to learn it is it <laughs> is a, you know yeah. can't let that one slide so no, that's no, great no. yeah um well i'm really proud of him he he really picked up thing on things really quickly and uh he's starting to verbally tell us when he needs to go so that's awesome yeah that's huge how old is isaac uh, he's a little over two and a half. Yeah, that's phenomenal. I yeah. think Griffin was like ten when we were finally able to get. <laughs> I'm kidding, but but yeah. that's amazing. That I'll tell you, that's a game changer. Yeah, that is a game changer. Yeah. So yeah. very important milestone. That's cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so a lot of new things going on in the new year. Uh, we also have to pick a new prayer partner for this quarter. Yes, that's exactly right. We have come to the point where it is time to find yourself a new prayer partner. Um, and so we want to invite you to do that. And just keep in mind, your goal is to pray for one another daily and to connect with one another weekly. And um, that will be just a great encouragement to you as you step into this new year to know that somebody's praying for you every single day and that you get to pray for them as well. Yeah. Shout out to Hunter. He's been a great partner this quarter. We had oh, a really that's good time. Awesome. So, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so this weekend's passage was really, I think, a perfect passage for a new year. Uh, it's Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Um, so we're not going to read the whole thing. It's pretty lengthy. But uh, Paul writes in verse 3, You have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. So in what sense do we die when we dedicate ourselves to Christ? That's a great question. And I, this is something that I talk about with every person who's going into the waters of baptism. There are two verses that we really emphasize as we teach what baptism is. The first is Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And that is the Apostle Paul writing to the churches of Galatia, and he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. 
So what is Paul saying? Well, he's saying that I, uh, because Christ died on the cross for me, uh, he was dying in my place on my behalf. It, as it, it is as if the old me, the sinful me, uh, has been crucified with Christ upon the cross. So the wrath of God poured out upon Christ was the wrath of God stored up for me because of my sin. And so the old me, the sinful me, has been crucified upon the cross with Jesus. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. And that's that's pictured in baptism. We see the the person who's being baptized go backwards into the water. And I always want to help people understand what that water symbolizes. That water symbolizes a grave. That the old person has been crucified with Christ is dead and buried. And then the new person who is in Christ has been raised, a new creation to walk with Jesus forevermore. So that's really what happens when we come to Christ. The old us is gone, buried, crucified with Christ. It is no longer that person who lives, but we have been made new in Jesus Christ. We have been uh, given the, the Holy Spirit to, much like God breathed the breath of life into Adam when he made him, that, that word in the Hebrew is ruach, which is also translated spirit. Well, when we come to Christ, God breathes the Holy Spirit into us, and we are raised to life, um, but it is life eternal in Jesus Christ. So uh, we are very much a new creation. So we die to our old selves, and we walk according to who we are. That means we, we live differently. We make different choices as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do so. We, we don't continue to cultivate those patterns that lead us away from God, but we live according to who God has made us to be um, by the gift of His Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up that being baptized is uh, somewhat akin to going into the grave and then coming out again. Yeah. Even back in the days, even before John the Baptist, the Jewish people were imagining uh, the final step of conversion, like the final step for a Gentile converting, becoming Jewish, um, was going into waters. So they they would be, if it was a male, they would be circumcised, and then the last step would be that they would go into the water, and then they would emerge, and they explicitly write about it being like, going into the grave, dying as who you are, coming out a completely different person. Mm. Um, which, you know, you take that and you, you know, plug that into the New Testament and you start to see like, wow, you know, like everything that you've been talking about, you, you know, in some sense you are a different person. You're not becoming a Jewish person when you, you know, you become a disciple of Jesus. You're becoming a disciple of Jesus, which is a different person than who you were before. So what's interesting to see the continuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament, if you go to the southern steps of the Temple Mount, there on the southern end of the Temple Mount, you see mikvahs everywhere. So that's where they believe that Peter preached. And on the day of Pentecost, um, 3,000 people were baptized that day. How do you baptize 3,000 people? Yeah. Well, you have mikvahs all over the place, these ritual cleansing baths that were used not only as people became Jewish, but as people came to the temple, that they would they would be ritually cleansed before they came up to the temple. So um, you have all these mikvahs that you can still go see today. It's, it's really amazing to, to see it. Um, but then even if you go to Qumran, you know, ritual washing was so important there at Qumran to the Essenes, and there are mikvahs 
everywhere. So it's just very interesting to see that continuity of the old me is gone, the new me has come. And in Jesus Christ, that's what baptism is symbolizing. The old is gone, the new has come, and uh, we walk in newness of life in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about it from a slightly different angle now. On your sermon on Sunday, you talked about the idea of you know, someone who passes away and then their kids are going through their stuff and they're throwing away a lot of what were priceless treasures to the person who died. Yeah. Uh, which is a really, you know, uh, uh, evocative image and, you know, I think is very useful. I think it is good, you know, it's one of those things like making a will, like it's unpleasant to think about, but it is good to help, you know, take care of your family, one, but also kind of, you know, prioritize things. So what, yeah. what, to what degree can a disciple contemplate the day of his or her death at, and use that as motivation to live rightly now? So it sounds morbid, and and to some degree there's there is a sense of morbidity to it. But I'm going to tell you one of the greatest things that I am confronted with on a regular basis is my own mortality. Part of that is because in my line of work, I, I walk with people at the end of life, yeah. and then I officiate a lot of funerals and memorial services. My wife and I already have grave plots. That that was uh, a function of some things that we had going on in our family many years ago, um, but they're at Bowling Green Gardens, and um, I will never forget, I, I was officiating a burial just a few doors down from where I will be, and uh, it was odd because I looked over at the plot of ground that I own where I will be one day, and I was thinking, you know, one day, some preacher's going to be reading probably the 23rd Psalm standing beside my grave, but the difference will be I will be in it. And there's something really healthy, I think, to facing our own mortality with the recognition that our life on this earth will come to an end. It will probably happen sooner than we think it will because time passes very quickly. I don't know, you know, the older I get, the faster it goes. Um, and so I need to be considering what truly matters in my life. Uh, I need to be considering what truly matters according to the teaching of God's Word, and that is my relationship with Almighty God first and foremost, because I will tell you, when you die, your relationship with God doesn't become an important thing. It's everything. So if you do not know Jesus Christ, the time for grace is over at the moment of your death. So you want to make sure that you are in right relationship with God through Jesus Christ by faith in Him. But then you look around at your family and you realize, well, let me, let me put it this way. My dad died at age 56, which didn't seem young at the time, but my goodness, it's a lot younger than I thought it was. Mm -hmm. Um he had worked for a company for 25 years, and, and Dad was a workaholic. I mean, he just, man, he spent all sorts of time with this company, working really hard. And um, you looked around at his funeral, and the company sent an official representative and a potted plant. And then there were people that had much more... Um, in-depth feelings for my dad um, than his company did. 
and yet he spent more time with the company than he. I mean, you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that's a cautionary tale for all of us. Um, there will be people who are weeping at your service. Invest in those people, <laughs> not in those who will send um, an official representative in a potted plant because they have to. Yeah. And that doesn't mean we, we don't invest in our companies, we're bad employees, those sorts of things. That's not it. But I look at my kids. They're growing up quickly. You know, we've just got a few more years with Griffin in the house, and then he's out on his own. Um, we've got a few more years with Reagan in the house, but it won't be long until she's out on her own. And you've got to invest in what matters most. And so I think facing our own mortality in a healthy way reminds us that there are things that are really important. And things that are important, but less so. And we have to choose accordingly. And thinking about this question, I stumbled across Ecclesiastes 9.8, which says, let your garments always be white, let not oil be lacking on your head. It reminded me of the virgins who were preparing for the wedding feast, and then for the uh, a different parable where there was a party, but this guy showed up without the right wedding garments. Yep. Um, you know, and then Re- Revelation talks about you know, being dressed in white. So there's this imagery that's picked up in the New Testament of being being prepared, being well-dressed. Being ready. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You never know. I mean, um, Jesus tells the parable of the man who says, uh, look at all that I have. And so we eat, drink, and be merry for a look at the life that we have. And, and Jesus says, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. And I think that's an important thing for us to, I mean, you know, just to put it bluntly, I mean, I could walk out and get hit by a bus today. You never, I don't plan on it. Heaven it's, forbid, yeah. <laughs> it, it's not on my Apple calendar on my phone, but, you know, I, I officiate a lot of fun- funerals for people who weren't planning on dying that day. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just important that we live our lives in such a way. You know, say the things you need to say to the people to whom you need to say them. And uh, I will tell you, Another thing that this is just a free tip, and, and, and Jordan, I would recommend this to you as a dad, but to anybody, um, one of the things that I've done over the years is write letters to my kids. Mm. And I go ahead and give them to them, but to put sentiments that I have about them in important moments in writing so that one day when I'm not here anymore, they can open up a letter, which is an archaic form of communication now. Um, but they can open it up and they can read, this is how my dad felt about me. And uh, to me, that's just vitally important. You know, when my wife and I exchange cards, we don't just leave it to what the card says. You know, we, we write a little, a little letter to each other and we keep those things. And, you know, those are valuable because one day one of us will not be here. Changes are good. Uh, that one of us will remain while the other is in glory. And, will have those those cards that are written. And so leaving those sorts of things that are life-giving and encouraging to the people that we love the most, it's so vitally important. And the other thing I'll say is this. I always encourage um, young couples as they're getting ready to get married to think about these things. You know, so often we think that life is built in the big moments. So in the context of a family, you might think, oh, a big vacation to some destination. Maybe it's a trip to Disney or a trip to Hawaii or whatever. 
And those things matter, but they matter significantly less than the little moments that lead up to them. In other words, if you have a terrible life, one trip doesn't fix the terrible life. And if you have a wonderful life, one trip doesn't make the wonderful life. Um, The trip will accentuate what you've already got going on, but what are we doing in the little moments that seem so insignificant? Because what we learn over time is that the legacy we leave and the life that we have built is the culmination of those little moments. And it turns out those little moments that don't seem that important turn out to be the most important moments of all because it's in those little things that we build the life that we look back upon. So, yeah, trips matter. You know, uh, we, we took a trip to Disney in 2016. It was great. It was expensive. We had fun. We ain't going back. Uh, but But – that's one tiny snippet within a lifetime. You know, what, what matters more to me than a big trip like that is investing in my kids, being there when they're playing sports or they're singing on a stage or they're doing their thing, you know, just um, those little moments that seem so insignificant um, turn out to be the big things. I think that's a wonderful idea. And actually, I have to give kudos to my wife, Taylor. She has a notebook going for each of our kids. Uh, she writes in it regularly. And um, and she's she's a card writer. She, she writes uh, so many cards to so many people. And they're meaningful, long cards like you're talking about where it's not just, you know, get well soon. Yeah. I love you. XOXO. It's right. very, very thoughtful uh long messages where she really shares what she's thinking. And then, you know, you keep those and you you know how she's, you know, thought about you years afterward because she wrote it down. Yeah, that's right. I've heard other people do this, that they, um, when their kids are little, they open up an email account for their kids huh. and they just start emailing them, you know, just like they would anybody. But, you know, at some point they'll give their kids, here's your email account that, you know, when you were two, I sent you an email because you did a great job on potty training that day. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. um, to, so to capture those things, because I'll tell you, uh, it happens quickly. I mean, we just had some new pictures. I was telling you uh, earlier about um, replacing some pictures and, and we do the thing in the frames where you just stack it up with the old one. Yeah, yeah. And so I opened up a frame and I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I don't even remember this with Griffin. And Griffin's only 15. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, oh, wow, I forgot we did this. You know, so capturing those moments is very important. These are really great ideas. And I actually have one more question. So for today's practical application question, uh, I want to return to the idea of kids sorting through their parents' stuff after their demise. So my wife and I have been thinking about our will and you know what we really want to give to our kids that'll benefit them. Not not just in terms of, you know, value or money or something like that, but like in terms of meaning that they'll actually appreciate. So in your experience as a pastor who's been with people who've gone through this situation, you know, time in and time out, what is worth keeping to give to children and what treasures are actually transient? You know, I think that that's a really important question to ask. Uh, And I I don't claim to be the expert on this. I I think there's some sense in which we want to provide for our families. You know, 1 Timothy 5, 8 says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially the members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So there's some sense we want to provide that sort of thing. Um, But there's an inheritance that we leave that is so much more valuable than stuff. 
And and one of the things we learn, if you want to know how valuable your treasured possessions are, just have a yard sale and have somebody want to give you a quarter for something that means a ton for you, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) You know, in my experience, the things that people seem to value about that are are left behind by those who've gone on to glory before them are things that that tell the story of their lives and tell the story of their investment. Um, You know, I'll be honest with you, I have officiated funerals for people for whom buildings are named and, and in whose honor statues have been built. And some of those folks, well, they, they got their buildings at the expense of their families. Mm. And so the people that cared the most about them didn't really care that much because they didn't really know them. And that's hard, you know? I've also officiated funerals for people for whom buildings are named and statues are built who, who understood priorities and really poured wonderful lessons into their children. And I'll tell you, those are the things that do not fade. So so the things that that are attached to those lessons, those moments of life, those seem to mean the most. So my dad took me fishing, some might say, and this was his fishing pole, or this was the cap he always wore. You know, to somebody else, that means nothing. It's an old fishing pole or an old cap. But in, in the child's life, it may be that memory that's tied to that. So that's, that's what matters. And so think about what memories are you making with your children now that they will reference through some sort of something that matters, that, that brings that memory to mind. Um, that's what's very important. So I think that as you think about um, – what will I leave behind? I always think about Elijah and Elisha, mm-hmm. you know, and Elijah asked Elisha, what do you want me to leave for you? What do you want me to give you? And Elisha had the wherewithal, I think led by the Holy Spirit to say, give me a double portion of your spirit. In other words, Elisha asked for a spiritual inheritance. And then when Elijah was taken up, what happens is cloak falls off, and Elisha takes it up and comes back to the Jordan River and says, where then is the God of Elijah? And strikes the Jordan River with Elijah's cloak, and, and it, it parts, and he's able to go through on dry ground just as they had done when they came to that place. But you think about the spiritual inheritance that you're leaving your kids. You know, I, I hope one day um, my kids value my Bibles. Uh, I, I very... Very intentionally have a couple of Bibles that I go back and forth using them, and uh, I hope my kids value those. I hope my kids value Bibles that have been to the other side of the world and the Holy Land and have been in the pulpit here at First Baptist Church, but Bibles that they've also seen Dad use in times when he's not teaching and when he's not preaching. Um, Things like that I think will be meaningful, and I hope they are. That's helpful. It sounds like you— invest the time and effort now with the people you love, and then the things that will be meaning to them will just follow. And I hope that's the case. And I'll, I'll tell you, um, I, I'm betting on the notion that some of the things that my kids don't really seem to care about now will become valuable to them someday. Mm-hmm. Because now at 43, there are things that I didn't care about when I was a kid but they have become exceedingly valuable to me today. So again, think that through, you know, your kids, 
and it may not just be kids. It could be anybody, but, but I mean, you know, they may not see the value in what you're doing right now. Do it. You know, it's, it's the country song. She thinks we're just fishing. Um, it's, it's, you know, there, there's more to it than what meets the eye. And that matters very deeply. I'm sure that's a very deep meaning. I don't know the song. I'm oh, not a country man. fan. I, Trace I, I, Atkins. I feel sings. the love. I just don't quite know what, what form that love you, you, is. I, I get it. Yeah. So <laughs> so the song, I'll, I'll tell the story. The, the song, Trace Atkins, who has this big, deep, deep bass voice, is is telling the story about taking his little girl fishing. There you go. And uh, she thinks we're just drowning worms and killing time. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something so much deeper going on here that she won't realize for a long time. And... Uh, that was one of the songs I put on Reagan's playlist when we brought her home from the hospital, and I cried my eyes out every time I listened to it. Mm-hmm. And then I prayed that that first week would go by very, very quickly because she also cried her eyes out a lot, <laughs> and it did. And so anyway, she thinks we're just fishing. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, Jeff, thank you for answering these questions. Uh, yeah, it, and every week, thank you for answering these questions. You know, a lot of these I'm coming up with just trying to uh, just, you know, learn life. And I just appreciate yeah. my relationship with you and listeners. Thank you for listening and learning with both of us. Amen. So, if you have any questions like this that you would like to ask, just go to the link in the show notes or comment on the post below. Jeff, can you pray us out for today? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for a new year. Another reminder that you are our God who makes all things new. And as we embrace 2024, help us to be intentional about cultivating godliness in our own lives. Lord, we recognize, as those who trust and follow Jesus, that everything else is built upon the firm foundation of Jesus Christ in our lives. And so let us be the sort of people who read the Bible daily, who pray daily and multiple times throughout the day, who who invest in what matters most, and then who take what matters most, and seek to help others trust and follow Jesus along the way. Oh, we love you. We trust you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley, and our editors are Chadwick Walden and Fu Ying Engdahl.